in terms of it being about calling forth a new world and a new people. Um, it's about all creation eagerly crying out for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And we talked about how Jesus' heart is for restoration. So prophecy is about calling out that restoration in one another and in the world around us. Um, and, uh, and what we're moving on to tonight um, is around hearing God and speaking prophecy, speaking those words over one another. And my guess is, is that um, probably in this room, there is a whole spectrum of people through from people who are like, yes, I totally hear God all the time, I know I do, to uh, sometimes I think I hear God, sometimes I think it's indigestion, um, to sometimes once I heard God, and then to I don't actually even know what that means, and I find those terms super confusing, the idea of someone hearing God. Um, and so here's like a fundamental thing I think that some of us like forget is that God's spirit actually lives within you. God's spirit lives within you. And I think sometimes when it comes to like um, being a vessel for the Holy Spirit, we get into a mindset where what we need to do is purge ourselves of everything human about ourselves in order so God might speak. You know, that it's like if I can just get out the way then God can use me. But actually, we are called by Paul temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually lives within us. You are God's dwelling place. So when it comes to hearing God, and it comes to speaking words of prophecy, words of truth, it is not a case of us needing to posture ourselves in such a way that we can reach across the great expanse between us and God. But it is that God is right here, near, in our skin, And we just need to become aware of our communion with God. God is already in us. And so what that means is that some of what you think is actually what God thinks. Because God's spirit lives within you. And some of what is important to you is actually important to God. And some of your intuitions and your observations are also God's intuitions and observations. And you can dare to believe that God is at work in your mind, your heart and your imagination. That actually, when I get up here to speak, because God has put a gift on my life to speak, my assumption is that he's actually given me the personality and the skills and the gifts to do it. And so if God is asking us to speak words of truth, then it's not a case of you getting out of the way. It's that you're the conduit God chooses to work through, right? It says in the scriptures that we co-labor with Christ, we hold hands with Christ, and we work on this stuff together. So you being human is not a barrier to God speaking to broken human creation. That's pretty big, and I'm not sure that some of us actually get that. So what I want to talk about today is when we're listening to God for one another for words of prophecy, what is it, um, what is it that we're actually listening for? What are we listening for? Um, and um, I would assume that probably for a lot of people in this room, like put your hand up if you have had someone say significant, a significant word over your life that has been powerful to you. Pretty much everyone, right? So that's, that's what we're talking about here. So I want to look at three kind of things, and then we're going to do that together. Um, so I want to look at the life of Peter, because um, he's kind of a goober, and I like him. Um, and, um, 
And the first thing I want to look at is um, from Luke 5, 1 to 11. And this is where Jesus first calls Peter. And he says, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So interesting thing, some of you guys will, will be aware of this, but um, if you were a fisherman, you weren't exactly a high-class uh, operator in society. Um, basically, basically, how it used to work for these young guys is that, um, that, that when, when they were born, the, the, the young Jews would set out to learn off by heart the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the first five books of the scriptures, to learn these things off by heart. And they'd go until about the age of 10, and then they'd be tested by a rabbi to see how well they'd done at remembering these. And if they, uh, if they kind of weren't that good, then the rabbi would say, all right, go back to your family trade. And then from then on, they would try to learn the writings of all the rest of the prophets, if, if they were good enough, and they would learn these writings of the prophets, and then eventually, around about 15, 16, they would get schooled again, and if they didn't get it right, then they would go and do the family trade. So what you've got here is you've got Jesus, who is known as a rabbi, and, and what, would, what would happen here is if you made it past that, that 15, 16 mark, that a rabbi would say, come follow me, take my yoke upon you. Come follow me, take my yoke upon you. So you have Jesus, this rabbi, who is rolling through, and he rolls up to someone who's doing the family trade. Obviously not that smart a guy. Didn't make, it, didn't make it into higher education. And Jesus, the rabbi, rolls up to him and says, Come follow me. Those words that a rabbi would say only to the smartest. And I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus rocks up to him and says, Here's another option. Do you want to catch fish all your life, or do you want a new journey? Do you want to keep doing the family trade or do you want to follow where God will lead you to become a fisher of men where you will bring people alive for the kingdom? And the first thing I kind of see in Peter's story here is that when God speaks, sometimes it's an invitation. It's an invitation from the thing that we've got stuck in, from the, the world that we, we can't believe in anything else to go a different way. When God shows up, sometimes it's an invitation. Uh, I've talked to, to some of you about this before, but I remember when, when it, I was coming up at the end of my time at Zeal, and I'd been there for about nine or ten years, and I was starting to think of these exciting different things I could do with my career in the community sector. It's a weird thing, careers in the community sector. Um, and, um, and I was thinking, well, maybe I could like, go work for government. To go work for NYD or NSD, you know? Maybe, yeah, yeah, come on. Um, or maybe, maybe I could do that very amorphous thing, consulting, 
whatever, whatever that means, um, <laughs> could get into some consulting and you can roll in some great dosh for consulting. And I can remember that, um, I can remember Brooke who founded this church calling me up and Brooke was dark about church at the time, as Brooke normally is one of every two years. Um, and um, and uh, the other time he's on leadership. Um, and Brooke calls me up and, um, and he says, hey Scotty, I was in the shower this morning and I think you're supposed to lead Blueprint. This is a very weird word from Brooke Turner. I'm like, I don't think it's right. So, um, so he gives me this word, he gives me this invitation and I say, Brooke, that invitation is crazy. What would you know? Last week you said you weren't even a Christian. And then uh, I walk to this cafe, open up my devotional for the day and the first line of the devotional is, where the church is, there is God. And from there came confirmation after confirmation after confirmation and, and this invitation to go a different way. And I actually believe that we always have a choice with God. Like I think it's, it's these very few times in my life where I can think where God has said this or nothing else. In fact, I don't know if I can think of any. And when you look throughout the scriptures, you actually see people who negotiate with God, right? You see people who negotiate with God. Maybe this, but not this. But the thing that stuck in my heart is if God is inviting me to this, then it's probably a pretty good thing. And so I followed out on that. And so there was this sense where this prophetic word from Brooke was an invitation to a different way. And it's not just the grand things that are invitations. Sometimes the invitation that comes in the prophetic is to, to very ordinary things. Like, do you want me to show you full life? Like, are you, are you just tired that this whole thing feels like a treadmill and you just live weekend to weekend to weekend to weekend? Come follow me, Jesus says. Come follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I will lay nothing heavy on you. An invitation. Will you come follow me into a different way? Sometimes it's the wound you've been walking with. And Jesus says, do you want to walk into freedom? Here's an invitation for us to walk into freedom. You know, sometimes after a while, our wounds become so bound up with our identity that walking free from them ends up scarier than the idea of healing. And this is what you see, eh? it's what you see with the Israelites in the desert, that they leave slavery and when they're out in the middle of nowhere, not knowing where they're going, they say, can't you just take us back to slavery? Because we would all rather have the captivity that we know than the freedom that is unfamiliar to us. And sometimes the call of God is, will you walk with me into freedom? Sometimes when we're praying for healing, one of the questions you have to ask is, do you want to be healed? Because some people have hinged a huge amount of what they are on their sickness or on their illness or it has become such a part of their life that walking into freedom is too costly. I was talking to a couple of people earlier today who are newish into faith and they were saying that there is this pain of leaving the old way. They know that the way of Jesus is better but the invitation is painful. Sometimes the question is, that toxic relationship, Jesus saying, do you want me to help you walk free of it? Do you want out of this? Often in prophecy comes an invitation. But I think the thing is, is that when we're in the middle of our deep stuff, sometimes we lose imagination. When we have been in the same pain for so long or the same status quo for so long, you know that phrase that you can't see the forest for the trees? 
that we become so stuck in the life that we've been in that actually it takes a friend, it takes someone beside us, sometimes it takes someone who doesn't even know us to hear God's truth and offer that invitation to us so we can actually hear it for the first time. And so I think one of the things we first ask in prophecy is we ask, is there an invitation for this person here? The second thing, Matthew 16, 13 to 18. And this is um, a couple of years later, uh, Jesus is, is hanging out with Peter. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So it's been a couple of years of of Peter and Jesus journeying together. And Jesus says to Peter, who do you think I am? And he says, you are the Messiah, the living God. And so Christ first asks Peter, who do you think I am? And Peter confesses, you are Lord. You are the Messiah we're looking for. You are the salvation of Israel. And in response to Peter's confession of who Christ is, Jesus tells Peter who he is. And then it's so often the case, I think, that in our elevation and worship of Christ, that when we actually come from a posture of thankfulness and we come from a posture of glorifying and lifting up God, is that he responds by revealing our true identities. We said earlier today, all creation is eager for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And so he says to Peter, you are a rock and I'm going to build my church on you and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Sometimes in in prophecy, sometimes when God speaks with us, it's through an invitation. But sometimes when God speaks, it's through an encouragement. It's to remind us who we are and what we're called to. I can remember, um, talked about this when Cindy Ruikiri's been around, but a few years ago, probably five or six years ago, she gave this word to me at a church service. She said, Scotty, you are a trailer. You are made to lift heavy loads. And you'll be put on one vehicle and move a heavy load. And then you'll be taken off that vehicle and put on another one. And that will be your call, is to go to different vehicles moving heavy loads. And it was a powerful word and brought real freedom to me to know that I could move from things, to know what my purpose was and whatever I was in, that it was to move things, not to hold the status quo. On the day of um, my ordination as a deacon, we uh, knelt down in front of Justin and the bishop lays his hands on your head and speaks a word He didn't know this word, laid his hands on my head and said, Father God, we thank you that Scotty is made to move heavy loads. This is the power of prophecy, is knowing who we are and knowing what we're meant to be. Like, I'm a strengths finder coach, but screw strengths finder when you have a prophetic line into your life. (laughs) Like, really? (laughs) Like, when you have the voice of God speaking straight to your heart, straight to who you're meant to be, throw out Enneagram. (laughs) When the voice of God is speaking directly to your heart, on who it is you're meant to be and how you're meant to serve him. Like, that's the best we can do. All that other stuff is great. But direct line to God, I'll take that. Thank you very much. When God shows up, sometimes 
It's an encouragement. When we lift up who God is, which we're going to do later on when we pray for one another, God will often respond by revealing who we are. So when we worship and lift up God, there's an opportunity for us to each hear God and to prophesy over one another and call forth the true identity within one another. And man, I just feel like our generation, like we are so educated, so talented, have so many options that most of us are absolutely paralysed with what we'll ever do with our lives. And we desperately need God to narrow down our options by telling us who we are. We actually need him to speak in so that we can serve him well and stop trying to serve everyone in the world, please everyone else, and be a thousand different places at the same time. We need that to be content. And I can tell you, when God speaks like this, it also becomes a promise over your life. Because when I feel the groan and the strain of the heaviness of the load I'm lifting, I know that it's hard, but I know I'm exactly where God has me to be. I know that the hardness has a promise behind it that I can hold to, that I can stay strong in. So for prophecy, we know it may be an invitation, but it may also be an encouragement. Thirdly, uh, this verse immediately follows the one before it, and it's um, kind of jarring. Verse 21, so he's, uh, Jesus has just said, Peter, you're a legend, you're a rock, you're going to start the church. What a guy. And then, he's, and then it says this, From the time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Shit. (laughs) If you ever want to give me a compliment, can you not follow up with that? Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus says to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know, sometimes prophecy, sometimes the voice of God shows up as an invitation. Sometimes it shows up as an encouragement, but sometimes it shows up as an interruption. Where we have been treading along the same path for a long time, and we need someone to get in our way. And call us back to the truth of who God is. And that was the role of the prophets, which we're going to talk about more tomorrow, is to stand in the way of the trajectory we've set for our lives and say, no, 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 not anymore. This is what happens to Paul when he is thrown off his horse and blinded in Acts 9. And Jesus says, Paul, Paul, why are you, sorry, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he must change. When God shows up, sometimes it's an interruption. When we've got bogged down in worshipping idols like we talked about a couple of months ago, idols of our career, financial security, vanity, popularity, sometimes Jesus says, get the attitude of the accuser out of your bones. It's time to repent. Be done with the worldly concerns and return to what God cares about. Put the accuser behind you. Put Satan behind you. Put that voice behind you. 
You know, I have this, Anna and I have this friend in Melbourne, this amazing guy, Greg, um, who some of you will know through Praxis Circles. And Greg, um, Greg grew up living this like pretty um, indulgent life. And he ended up being on this boat cruising the Mediterranean. This yacht, like the super yacht. And the super yacht was owned by Mr. Heineken. Like the Mr. Heineken. And so what Greg would do is sail the boat and then pull into these little ports of Monaco or different places. And then he would tend to the boat while um, Mr. Heineken went and got drinks and ate fancy food and canapes all around the Mediterranean. And one time Greg is walking down the street and he, he sees this woman up in this corner and her clothes are rotted through and she's holding a baby and the baby looks really sick and it's coughing, the baby is blue. And she just looks absolutely destitute and filthy. And for some reason in that moment, his heart broke. And he started to think this is not okay. And then he looked up above and above this woman on a balcony at the front of a beautiful restaurant is Mr. Heineken. Sitting there, eating his food, drinking his fancy drinks. And in that moment, there was an interruption and he had to change. Greg went home, got on the streets of Melbourne during the heroin epidemic of the 90s and helped heroin addicts find their veins so that they wouldn't kill themselves. Sometimes a prophetic word comes as an interruption, as an invitation. Sometimes it comes as an encouragement, but sometimes it comes as an interruption that says, wake up, wake up. Wake from your slumber, and again, we'll talk more tomorrow, that that is the the prophetic voice so often, is to say, wake up your imagination again. Wake up your heart again. Wake from your apathy. I'm inviting you into true life. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life to the fullest. I'm inviting you to this life. I'm encouraging you by by, by speaking to the soul of who you are and who you are meant to be. And I want to interrupt the bullshit path that you've got on and see you on a path towards the kingdom. This is the power of prophecy. And I want to say again that so often we get stuck in our own heads and our own hearts. And we need friends outside our circumstance. We need those beyond us to be able to hear the word from God, the weird, crazy, zany word from God, and then to take a punt. Maybe my words could invite someone into new freedom. Maybe my words can encourage that person with who they are meant to be in Christ. Maybe my words can interrupt their life where they will give their life away for those who desperately need people who will lay down their lives. And that, that is the heart of prophecy, people, is that we wake each other up, that we bring each other alive. I want to talk briefly about some of the ways that I've heard God because I want to demystify some of this for for, for some of you who are like, ugh, hearing God. Um, and there's three things that kind of have been continual for me. Sometimes when I hear God, it's a thought. And often that thought is really, really off. Like really weird. Um, I, I talked about this a while ago at, at church um, with some of you, but earlier this year we were at a conference with some of our Blueprint leadership and we were in this meeting, and I have this thought drop into my head, someone has problems with their testicles. Just like, this is just horrific. 
Like, there is, I'm not giving that word to anyone. So as, as some of you will know, I went up to the American speaker during the break and I whispered in his ear, I think someone's got problems with their bullets. And, um, and uh, I think maybe God wants to heal their tackle. Um, and, um, and, so, um, and so he said, would you like to give the word? I said, oh no, you can give it. <laughs> So we go on for a while, and, um, and then it gets to the end of the meeting. And the guy says, oh, I think someone had a word about testicles. <laughs> Scotty, that was you, right, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I, um, he gives this word, and I sit in this auditorium as the 300 people clear out, and I'm sitting there alone with my testicle word. <laughs> What do, I, what do I do with this? Um, this is so shameful. And then um, a guy sneaks back in the back, <laughs> comes up to me. He's um, had a, um, a thick Scottish accent. Scotty. My tackle's hurting. Is that Scottish? So I said, all right, mate, let's pray for your meat and two veg. Um, and, um, and so I... Laid a hand on his shoulder. (laughs) On his shoulder. And I said, Lord, um, you're a good father and you love to give good gifts to your children. Um, You do not withhold from your children. So would you bring a good gift? Would Would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Would you bring healing in? Sorry, he said to me before that that basically he'd had these problems. They'd had one child three or four years earlier and um, they hadn't been able to conceive since. And so we prayed and I totally forgot about this and um, three or four weeks later I get this phone call and I don't have his number saved. And so the phone rings and I pick it up and I hear someone go, Hello, my scrotum friend. I said, uh, Kia ora, Reverend Scotty Reef here. Um, he said, no, he said, um, yeah, it's your mate. He says, um, your prayer worked, we're pregnant. <laughs> and and what, the reason I tell that story is because what a foolish word, eh? What an incredibly foolish word. But I want to encourage you with the foolish words tonight. We're going to pray for each other in a little while. But if it is that weird do not be afraid of the weird. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Now, if we get five words in the room for testicles, then maybe oh, we've gone a little off the deep end. But <laughs> so that's, that's, one, that's one of the things for me is, is a thought, is a way that, that I often hear God. And often for me, one of the things I try to do is to take the first thought, because I find sometimes if you think into it too much, you begin to think yourselves out of things. And so I think often that first thing that kind of pops up will be the thing which I'll offer to someone. And, um, and I think a good way to do that sometimes can be like, hey, I have a sense that, or I wonder if, and we offer it to that person to receive. And if you're receiving that word, you can know that if that word is from God, then it is going to be backed up in the next little while by scripture. It's going to be backed up by other friends and people who pray for you. And it's going to be backed up by your own prayer time with God. So... As far as you know, it says there's a, a passage where Paul goes to this group of people called the Bereans, and Paul was this legend theologian, and he gives this amazing doxology of who Christ is, and then it says, and then the Bereans went to check it against Scripture. So you can give words, and let's be as the Bereans, and go and check the word that we receive, right? 
Um, so that's all good. So sometimes it's going to be a thought. Second thing, sometimes it can be a picture. Um, and when I say a picture, I have not had visions um, of chariots through the sky or the four horsemen of the apocalypse or kind of like the kind of Old Testament stuff. Mm. Like when I see a picture, it is not like, bam, right in front of my eyes there. Um, it is like a sense. It is like, a, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it's a seeing in a mirror dimly. Like it's like, oh, there's the sense of this thing. I think I see this thing happening. And so sometimes to say to someone, I, hey, I, I, have, I have the sense of this, this picture. Does that mean something to you? And then we can pray from there. The other week I was in Christchurch and um, I um, had a word for a young guy at this conference I was speaking at. And he was quite a short guy and gave this word to him. I said, I, I feel um, I have this picture and this picture of you is, is as a small vessel and that you've felt stink about being small but God is showing that small vessels overflow quickest um, and that actually like the spirit overflows quickly from your heart into the people around you. And, uh, and then we found out later on that that was the third time that day he'd been given that picture. So you just don't know. You know, you are part of something much bigger than you. Like we don't want to be heroes. Like these are not heroic stories I'm telling you here. This is weird, zany stuff where God has been moving in more people than just me. And so I'm saying, like, here's a safe space. Here's our rehearsal space, right, um, for, for us to, to play around. The final way that I've heard God is sometimes, and I think this is like a, a specific gifting thing for some people, but I know Etienne sort of started coming alive to this recently too, is, is sometimes I will get a pain um, for someone, which could be around um, healing. So, um, and you often see that um, I'll share these at, at church. Um, and so that, that is another way that I hear God, is sometimes if there is an abnormal pain that comes up for me, I begin to wonder if there might be someone nearby experiencing the same thing. But um, I think we all find our ways to, to hear God, you know? Um, and so I think, um, if, if anything, I'm just creating a broad canvas there of what this may look like for you. So what we're going to do here now is um, we're going to get into pairs. Um, so why don't you find a person you want to want to do this thing with. In fact, how about we find someone we don't know that well? Oh, Is that? <laughs> and if you're someone who really needs to find a safe person you do know well, that's fine too. But, uh, but if you can find someone you don't know that well, let's just get into pairs quickly. Let's go. Just move around the room. All right, all right. Have we all got some peers? We pretty good? We good? Okay, great. Okay, so what we... Uh, oh, we got a couple more, just need to sort out. Oh, yeah. You, you can be my buddy if you want, Jess. Cool. Um, we'll link up in a sec. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to sit next to each other. You don't need to put a hand on the person or anything like that. We're going to sit next to each other in silence for a moment, and I'm going to leave you with some questions. The first question I'm going to ask you is, this, is this an invitation, is this an encouragement, or is this an interruption? Now, it might be good for us to start with encouragements and invitations tonight, um, unless you feel a deep rumbling in your stomach. Um, a general rule is we don't talk about births, deaths or marriages on the first go. Um, so, um, like, um, 
but just like, you know, just, just me and some crazy stuff used to happen at youth group, hey, and I don't think much of it was God. Um, but, um, um, and so what we're going to ask first, because we're going to ask, is this an invitation, is it an encouragement, is it an interruption? I'm going to leave you with some time on that. And then once you feel a sense of that, then still in silence, I'm going to ask you, is there a word, is there a picture, is there a sense that's coming up for you? We're going to sit in that space for a little while. And then we're going to share that with one another. And then after we've shared that with the other person, um, we can ask them, does that mean anything to you? And we'll have some misfires here. We're not all going to like get this right, but we'll also have some really powerful, amazing stuff happen here. And then after we've shared that stuff, um, then what we will do is we are going to bless we're going to bless that person and bless what God is doing in their lives. Um, does that sound good? Does anyone have any questions from what I've shared tonight or this morning that you need answered before we move into this? What if you don't hear or see or feel something? If you don't hear or see or feel anything, that is fine. Um, and what you can do if you don't is you can still bless someone. Um, and you can still bless God's presence with them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe after we've prayed for one another, as we go into worship, if there are people who feel a real hunger, but you feel that hunger is not being met, then maybe like you could, um, we could find each other and we could pray for for that gifting to um, to come for you. Um, and so, I mean, I kind of like in this stuff. You know, we never learned to do contemplative prayer stuff. One of the the best things that made me really keen on contemplative prayer is that Spanky, when he was teaching me, said, "You're going to be terrible at this." <laughs> And just like took all the pressure off. Okay? So there is no one's measuring performance tonight. Some of you, like, this is not going to be a great experience. Some of you, it's going to be great. I actually believe God is going to move in, in most people here. I actually think so. Um, but, like, there is no failure here. You know? Um, this is a safe space. And, and, and we rehearse here so we can grow in that. And what I long for Blueprint to be is a place where it doesn't have to be the me or the Rose who gets up on the microphone to say what God is speaking to our community. You know, that that's all of us can own that together. Um, and that um, when we have 20 people who want prayer ministry, our problem is, is that we have 25 who want to pray for them. You know, like, that's what we want. That's the kind of culture we want to have. And so that's why we're doing this. Any other questions before we... Okay, well, why don't I pray, and, um, and then I'll, I'll lead you. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to come. We invite your Holy Spirit who lives within us to well up. God, we dare to believe that some of the thoughts we have are your thoughts, that our imagination is, is your imagination, and that the things we care about and the people we care about are because you care about them. So we call out to that spirit within us. We do not need to reach out for you. You are right at hand. You say, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So we lean into you. And you're with us. And we now ask you, God, is this an invitation? Is it an encouragement or is it an interruption that you want to bring to this beloved child of yours tonight? All right, we'll move on to the next part. And if you still feel a little bit Confused, I would, um, I would just say go with the first thought that came to mind. And so, Lord, we now ask you, we, um, yeah, our souls reach out to your spirit within us. 
And we ask that in the way that you have created each of us, that um, we would receive something for this person. Um, Lord, for those of us, um, yeah, for those of us who, who are visual, would our imagination spark with, um, with a picture that you might have for those, that person? Um, for those of us who maybe you're unlocking gifts around healing, Lord, would we have a sense of a, uh, a sensation or maybe a pain? Um, for many of us, God, would you bring to mind a thought, maybe even a word or a piece of scripture that we are to share with that person? get a sense that for some it's like the the picture you're seeing it's like it's in a cloud or it's in fog and you don't know whether to trust it you know i just just hear the spirit saying no you can trust the outline of what you see in the fog and father um you know we know if things are worth doing they're um worth learning to do badly until we get good at them so we pray your spirit will come, um, that you would um, give us the words to share, that you give us open hearts to receive. Um, and um, Lord, we thank you that yeah, when we wake up to your spirit within us, that you do indeed speak. Amen. So what we'll do here is we'll, um, we'll share with the person. Um, you can just share and say, does that mean anything to you? Um, and, and share with one another, and then what we will do after that um, is I'll, I'll kind of tell you when that time's up, and then we will bless that thing. And if you have nothing, we're going to bless each other anyway. It's all good. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you.